Let us pray. Father, send your spirit to drive us into the crucified arms of your Son, in whose name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. It's been a long Lent. Okay, we are only four days in. But this is what I've been saying a lot over the last year. It's been a long Lent. You likely know that Lent is the season of the church year where we spend the 40 days leading up to Easter, not including Sundays, journeying with Jesus on his way to the cross. Lent is a time marked by prayer and fasting, self-denial and humble turning toward God. During Lent, we confront our mortality, our brokenness, and our need for a savior. The metaphorical location we emphasize during the 40 days of Lent is the wilderness, even as we remember Jesus's journey in the wilderness. In our worship together, we adjust some of our regular practices, like not saying or singing hallelujahs, not having flowers in the sanctuary space, and using purple as our liturgical color. If you're familiar with the chapel at all, you know that there are three altars in the chapel. There's the main altar here in the chancel, there's one in Memorial Chapel, and there's also one downstairs in the crypt. Typically, I change the frontals on the altars with the liturgical season. But call it laziness, or simply a recognition of the situation we've been in, but I left the crypt altar covered in the purple of Lent for the last year. This whole time of COVID-19 shutdown has felt like a long Lent, a journey through the wilderness, a trek through the desert with no clear end in sight. So the frontal in the crypt has remained purple. I suspect there haven't been many hallelujahs down there either. It's been a long Lent. But let's be real, COVID-19 and its pandemic across the world hasn't been the longest Lent. It hasn't been the longest time of traversing the wilderness we've experienced in our community or in our country or even in our world. Lent as a wilderness journey has been much longer in other regards. We can name some of those other deserts, some of those other wildernesses that are so prevalent among us. We're in Black History Month. It's a month where we remember and celebrate the stories of black Americans who, despite the odds stacked against them, have contributed greatly to the world. We have a month where we focus on recovering some of the stories of the ignored people and events that have shaped the American life. We do this because for so long, the stories of black women and men have been overlooked, undertold, ignored altogether, or stolen so that the glory could go to white folks. Because of the racist history of our country and the ongoing impact of systemic racism in the present, people who don't pass for white have so often been trapped in long lasting deserts and caught in perpetual wildernesses where life is difficult and death is dominant. It's been a long Lent. Racism isn't the only long desert journey we've experienced. There's the devastating wilderness of violence within our city and really our whole world. 
This morning, we remembered 38 people who were murdered in Durham just in the last year. Ronald and Rebecca, Travion and Tama, Philip and Paulette, and the names just go on. We've included some form of this remembrance in our worship services over the last four years in partnership with the Religious Coalition for a Nonviolent Durham. This year, the Religious Coalition will have their 29th annual vigil, remembering the victims of homicide in our city. And truthfully, the vigils could have started before then. If you live in our community, you know that the lack of value of human life that results in it being snuffed out without really affecting the majority of our citizens is simply staggering. It's been a long Lent. These are certainly not the only deserts or wildernesses we are experiencing in our community. There are deserts of homelessness, food insecurity, lack of health care, unemployment and underemployment, failing educational systems, an unjust criminal justice system, and these are just naming some of the communal ones. I haven't even begun to mention the individual wildernesses experienced by so many things like jobs lost, addiction relapses, failed relationships, devastating diagnosis, and the death of loved ones. Our individual and communal wilderness wanderings have been long. It's been a long Lent. The scripture lesson from Mark tells us that the heavens were ripped open as Jesus came up out of the baptismal waters of the Jordan. The Spirit of God came down and entered Jesus as he heard God's voice proclaiming who he is, the beloved Son of God. And immediately, with no time to sort out what that meant or to bask in the glory of it, the very Spirit that entered Jesus threw him out into the wilderness. Let Lent begin. Mark makes no mistake. God's spirit drove Jesus to the place marked by lack and testing and trial. God's spirit drove Jesus to the wilderness. While he was there, Jesus faced every test possible. The material and spiritual world united in the dangers they brought. Satan tested and the wild beasts surrounded. To quote another biblical author, in every respect, Jesus was tested just as we are. And Jesus spent a long 40 days there. He was like the people of Israel who sp spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness as they journeyed from slavery in Egypt to the promised land. God's people faced trial and temptation. They failed to be faithful, and they received forgiveness. They turned to idols, and they turned back to God. Jesus was like Moses, who spent 40 days in prayer for the people of God while on Mount Sinai. Jesus symbolically reenacted these stories and others like them when he went into the wilderness for those 40 days. In short, Jesus went into the wilderness, the desert, 
the time of trial because people before him and people beside him have had experiences of wilderness and desert and times of trial. Jesus entered the wilderness because the Spirit drove him to the place where humanity encounters struggle and trial and tribulation. Jesus entered the wilderness because God's people throughout history and God's people even now face hardship and testing of all kinds. The Spirit drove Jesus to the wilderness because so often that's where we are. Most of the time, it's not that we follow Jesus into the wilderness. No, Jesus goes to the wilderness because humankind can't help but find ourselves in the wilderness over and over again. And though Jesus spent those 40 days alone, he joined the throngs of humanity past and present who know all too well the realities of long times spent in the wilderness. We may very well be in a long Lent. Perhaps it's even perpetual for some, but Lent is not a journey without company. The wilderness is not a place abandoned by God. The desert is not devoid of Jesus. No, the Spirit drives Jesus right out into the wilds with us. There is surely hope in the hallowed presence of the Savior with us in the midst of the misery and the messes of our lives. There's surely comfort found when we recognize that Christ is our compassionate companion who comes alongside of us right where we are. The wilderness does not seem so relentless so crushing, so devastating, so final when we know that Jesus has entered it with us. After those 40 days, after experiencing the challenges of the wilderness, after the testing and the trials, Jesus began his ministry. Surprisingly, he departed the desert with a word of good news on his lips. The experience of the wilds settled for Jesus what was spoken as the skies were torn open. The drama in the desert confirmed the truth of Jesus' identity as God's beloved son and propelled him to proclamation. So Jesus began proclaiming the good news that the time had come for God's intentions for humanity and all of creation to be realized. The time had come where God's ways of life and love would interrupt the ways of death and hatred, revealing that ultimately God's ways will win. Just as the heavens were ripped open at Jesus' baptism, so the old ways of the world marked by death and disease and decay were being ripped open as well. The message the good news that Jesus proclaimed was world-altering. It was more mind-blowing, mind-bending than Galileo saying the earth orbited the sun. It was more reality-shifting than a 7th century enslaved person declaring chattel slavery in North America would end. It was more imagination-altering than rovers landing on Mars and sending pictures back to earth. Jesus came out of the wilderness, 
proclaiming a message that required a new kind of imagination and a new kind of trust in God. He announced the dawn of a new era and a new state of affairs, one in which God rules. Jesus proclaimed, the kingdom of God is at hand. In Jesus, God's kingdom has arrived. It's on the loose and it's ultimately unstoppable. So Jesus says, repent and believe. God's ways will blow our minds and demand our trust. What Jesus called for was not merely a turning away from wrong ways of being and doing, nor was it some sort of mental affirmation of belief. No, Jesus departed the desert, calling for the total reorientation of people's hearts and minds and imaginations to the kingdom that God had initiated. That's what repent means. And Jesus walked out of the wilderness, calling for an ongoing gut-level trust in God that would allow for living the ways of God's kingdom in the here and now. That's what believe means. While the wilderness had the potential to wreck any conviction that God was setting the world right and making things new, for Jesus, it only solidified the fact. The wilderness was the proving ground for the truth of God's reign and rule breaking in. What would it even mean for us for our long lengths to be places that make us more certain of the good news of God's ways. Can you even imagine the dry and desert places of our lives being the spaces where our confidence in God grows and our confidence that God's love and justice will pr finally prevail strengthens? What? Would it be like for God to turn the wilds of the wilderness into the locations where God's love for us becomes more certain and our love for each other grows stronger daily? It sounds like it would take our minds being blown and us placing our whole trust in God. It sounds like it would take repenting and believing Jesus calls a different kind of community into being. Jesus calls a community into being marked by repentance and belief, a community where minds and hearts are transformed by the reality of God's ways and where there is steadfast trust in God. And it's in this community that the truth of God's love and justice becomes more certain even when life gets tough in the desert places. When our minds have been blown open to the reality of God's kingdom come near, we start to recognize the breaking in of God's way in our everyday. As a community of Christ together, we see the reality of God's ruling even in the midst of messes, even in the deserts of death, even in our weariness in the wilderness. 
we see an interruption to the long Lent of racism in the humanity-affirming, dignity-demanding, imago dei-asserting proclamation that black lives matter. We recognize an interruption to the long Lent of violence in our city, in the gathering of community members to mourn murder victims and declare that we have all lost something when we lost them. We witness an interruption in the long Lent of the affordable housing crisis in our city in the contagious smile of a new Habitat for Humanity homeowner. We observe an interruption to the long Lent of cycles of addiction in the day one chip collected again as if for the first time by a person striving for sobriety. Can't you see these holy interruptions to the long Lent of life? It's been a long Lent. But I want to let you in on a little secret held by this community called the church. It's Sunday. And I've been reminded by this particular community that we have Sundays in Lent, not Sundays of Lent. And the difference in these two-letter words is enormous. You see, for the community of Christ, Sundays are a day of blessed interruption in Lent, not simply another day of Lent. Sundays are a day of Blessed interruption, Sundays and Lent are little Easter's just as they are all year long. Sundays are holy reminders that all of our wilderness journeys, all of our desert testing, all of the dry and weary places will finally be met with resurrection. Sundays are little reminders that this struggle will not be forever, that new life will come that resurrection is a truer reality than death. Sundays are the day where we see the holy light of Easter break in and tear open the skies of whatever challenge or struggle or hardship or injustice or death we may experience. And Sundays train us to see all week long that the time has been fulfilled and God's kingdom has come near. It's been a long Lent, but it's Sunday. Thanks be to God. Amen.